Friday, and welcome to a new episode of This Week in Apps, a weekly no-fluff data first roundup of interesting news and trends about mobile apps and games. This is Ariel from App Figures, and I have three IPOs to cover today and two insights. So let's jump right into it. Last summer, we saw a slew of mobile-related IPOs, a few of which I actually covered on this podcast. Well, summer's here, and so is a fresh batch of back-to-back IPOs in our space. The first is Outbrain, which is going public as we speak, actually went public just a little bit ago. Outbrain is 15 years old, and it's an ad network that promotes content within other content. Its core is in web ads, but as more content like news is shifting to mobile apps, Outbrain is too. Today, Outbrain offers an SDK that helps app developers make money with their apps by showing Outbrain's ads, Outbrain's native ads, I should say, because it's all about the content, really, unlike other ad networks that show banner ads or videos or things of that nature. And Outbrain's growth, in my opinion, for the future depends on how this SDK and how many apps actually get this installed. And it also depends on who those apps are and what's churn like. Churn meaning people who are abandoning the service. So I looked at our SDK intelligence to answer all these questions, and let's dissect them one by one. So how big is Outbrain's reach? Outbrain's mobile SDK is installed in a little more than 800 iOS and Android apps as of right now. It leans a little bit more towards Android at about 60%, but that's pretty common with ad SDKs in my experience. While 800 may seem low for an ad network, we have to keep in mind that Outbrain isn't a traditional ad network and has a very specific focus on content, which limits its allure for app makers, maybe, but increases its efficiency for advertisers. And that's really important because you want to get advertisers the return on investment they expect. And if you do, they will continue to advertise with you. And content is still king, regardless of what anyone says. I know that for a fact. And so it's really important that that continues to grow. But it's also important who is actually installing this SDK and who's showing those ads. So looking at who's showing ads from Outbrain, we can see that it's in a bunch of news apps. CNN really leads the way. It's one of the biggest apps that are showing ads, um, showing Outbrain's ads. But I can see that happening across a variety of of apps that have to do with news really around the globe. We have apps that are based in the US like CNN, and we have apps um, from ABC News. We have apps from Sky News. And I see a slew of apps from other countries, especially from France. I'm not entirely sure why. I also see some apps from Fox Properties, but not the Fox app itself, which I'll get to in a minute. Now, how many people are downloading those apps is that's as important. And the answer is quite a few. So far in 2021, the apps Outbrain is installed in were downloaded by more than 33 million people all around the world. Now that's global and that's across the App Store and Google Play. So really a variety of devices and countries, and that's pretty incredible for 2021 only. The majority of downloads, roughly 57%, actually came from India, which is very interesting. US is number two, Brazil is number three, uh, the Philippines and France round out the top five. But the long tail is really long. It stretches across a variety of countries speaking a whole bunch of languages, and that is going to give advertisers that work with Outbrain a very global reach, which is good for a company that's IPOing. Now, the last item on my list that I needed to look at before I can uh, think if this is worth it is churn. How many apps are abandoning this SDK and abandoning this method of making money? And there isn't much actually of that happening with Outbrain. I looked at the last year and in the last year, just about 50 apps or so dropped the SDK, which is a very small number. 50 in the grand scheme of things is a small number, maybe out of the 800. It's not 
as small as you would expect, but it's also not high. And I think considering how many apps change their business models or change what they do within the app, um, especially apps that are from big companies that are maybe bringing advertising in-house, that kind of makes sense. And I think now that Outbrain is public, that is likely to increase confidence in its ability to deliver revenue. And so I have a feeling we'll see SDKs climb, the SDK installs. Now, I'm not a financial advisor, so I can't tell you if this is a good or bad investment. But what I do think is that while Outbrain is still predominantly web-based, it's got a very strong foothold in mobile that will be hard to unroot by any competitor. There's a lot of growing um, need, and so we will see more and more and more of this ad spend for content moving to mobile. And Outbrain is really currently kind of the only place to do it or the only place that is popular enough to do it. One of the things that I think, one of the challenges I think Outbrain has, has to do with its ad formats. Um, I don't think that growing for it will be just as simple as uh, making a few more sales or sending a few more salespeople out there to cold email people, but instead, it's going to be about evolving the formats that it offers and how it gives app makers the ability to monetize. The more or the better they do that, the more better they do that, the more the stock is going to grow. And that's the first one for today. We got two more to go. The second one is Duolingo. If you attempted to learn a new language over the last year and a half while we're stuck at home, you're not the only one. Duolingo, the popular language learning app millions have turned to, is going public next week. Duolingo joins a healthy list of app-first and mobile uh, gaming companies that have become popular enough in recent years to go public. If you recall, in most of those IPOs, app revenue was a good indicator of growth. And in this case, it is as well. But before we start counting beans, let's look at demand. And by that, I mean, let's look at downloads. Looking at weekly downloads, based on our estimates, we can see that pre-pandemic, Duolingo was already getting millions of new downloads every week. But once a pandemic hit, those numbers skyrocketed. By year, we can see that in 2017, we were looking at 37 million, almost 38 million downloads. 2018, that jumped to 46. I'm rounding a little bit. 2019, 49. 2020, 68. And now we're just about uh, half of 2021. We're already looking at 35 million downloads. So if we just multiply that by two, just multiply that, we're at the same rate of pandemic year, which is just crazy high. So there is demand. There is growth opportunity. Now we can take a look at revenue. In the US, which is Duolingo's biggest market by revenue, the app is adding roughly a million dollars in net revenue every week as of right now and according to our estimates. And much like downloads, growth is heading up and to the right both before and after the pandemic. Now, revenue is really interesting. If we look at estimated net revenue in the US by year, we can see that in 2017, it was less than a million dollars total. 2018, about 6 million. 2019, this is where it gets fun, $22 million. So the flip has been switched. The switch has been flipped. In 2020, $34.3 million. And in the first half of 2021, we're looking at about 27 to $28 million. Now, that is far higher than what we saw with downloads. So if we just, with using the basicest of estimation models, so it's a half of a year, we'll, we'll multiply by two, we're looking at growth of 100% year over year. That's pretty great. And even based on the estimates, that hasn't happened, even though the app has seen really great growth. So that's, that's a great year uh, for Duolingo. And that's if nothing else changes. We're not even talking about what the IPO is going to do for the company. I would say this is IPO worthy. And 
if you look at the trend of other companies who get to this revenue level IPOing, it makes perfect sense. Now, compared to, to Outbrain's IPO price of $20, Duolingo's target, which is about 5x higher, I think between $80 and $90, um, is sure to leave a lot more retail investors, aka mere mortals, out of this. But like apps before it, app downloads and revenue are likely to offer a direct indication for future success. And I also think that if we look at the apps, the app downloads and revenue of existing and new competitors, we can see how difficult it's going to be for Duolingo to grow. So I'm going to keep an eye on that as they IPO, and we'll see how that works. Um, and by the way, I actually analyzed Duolingo's ASO last year, and it's one of the most popular app teardowns that I've done. If you want to see that, check out the link that I'm going to drop in the show notes. Third IPO for today. This is actually a cool one, Robinhood. So Robinhood is a favorite of mine. I have talked about it a lot. If you've been following the podcast or following the newsletter that I send by email, you know. And I think it's an actually it's a really cool app. I it's it's had a fairly good run and it's being more and more accepted, I would say. And I've been sticking with it for a long time. I use it in addition to other apps, but I use it and I like it. And I even stuck with it during the GameStop depression. Now, Robinson's. Now, Robinhood's IPO has been in the air for a long, long time now. And it makes total sense. The app's unique approach to trading by gamifying the experience so it's accessible to mere mortals, aka retail investors as they're officially called, has earned it the kind of success that traditional apps just can't even get near. Its road to IPO was a bit bumpy from a PR standpoint, but overall downloads have been going in the up and to the right direction for long enough to make it the go-to investment app for so many people. Before the pandemic, Robinhood saw a little more than 100,000 downloads every week across both platforms. But with the pandemic causing crazy variance in stock prices, downloads grew drastically. According to our estimates, Robinhood's downloads peaked at more than 550,000 downloads per week in 2020, and it ended the year with more than 12.5 million new downloads. 2021 was what I think will become the pivotal year for the app. It was already on a high from the pandemic, and then it was at the center of the Wall Street bets, GameStop shenanigans, and that helped it soar and also helped it plunge. Um, And then it got into crypto. So there was some good, there was some bad, there was some ugly, and kind of everything in between. And we're only in the middle of the year of 2021, and downloads are already very close to what they were in 2020. So far this year, Robinhood was downloaded by nearly 10 million users across the App Store and Google Play, with multiple weekly peaks of more than 800,000 downloads, according to our estimates. Just for comparison, so you get an idea of how big this is, traditional investment apps from Fidelity, TD Ameritrade, and E-Trade together added 5 million downloads in 2021. A half. Just a half. And... In my opinion, that's higher than what they would have been earning if it wasn't for the shenanigans with Wall Street bets and what happened with Robinhood and so many people trying to leave Robinhood and and really hating on Robinhood for doing what it did. And if you don't know what that is, check the show notes for an article that I wrote in the beginning of the year that explains it. Now, if you're reading this newsletter, if you have been reading the newsletter for a while, you know that every time I mention Robinhood, I also talk about how it's becoming a household name and how that's what's going to make it ubiquitous. An IPO will certainly solidify that. As an app-first company, Robinhood's success will closely be tied to how new downloads are and how they how fast they grow and how competitors are growing. So there's going to be a lot of information that I will be able to look at. Um, and you can too if you want. Just head on to appfigures.com slash intelligence. Now, I also analyzed Robinhood's ASO a few months ago, and it's also one of the popular uh, app teardowns that I did, and I will link to it as well. 
So that's pretty much it. Three IPOs back to back. I believe that both Robinhood and Duolingo are happening a day, one day after the other, 28th and 29th of next week. So that'll be interesting to keep an eye on. And next up, another app that's kind of my favorite. We're no longer in IPO territory, but this is still uh, an app that's expanding, and that's HBO Max. HBO Max expanded outside of the U.S. for the first time since it launched a little over a year ago. The streaming platform, I think, took the U.S. by fire, is now available in 39 countries in Latin America and the Caribbean. Now, why did HBO Max move down south as opposed to growing towards Europe first, kind of like Disney? Um, I wasn't really sure. I thought maybe they did want to compete with Disney, but Disney is already available in South America. So I looked at the downloads for Disney Plus across the entire uh, entire set of countries in the world that they're available in, and Latin America actually outpaces Europe at this point. So now that we have about a month of data, about 20 days of data uh, from HBO Max, I looked at it downloads, and it actually confirms that that was the right move. Downloads not from the U.S. added up to more than 7 million since the launch at the end of June, based on our estimates. Mexico and Brazil were responsible for most of those, adding 2.3 and 2.1 million downloads, respectively, in the first 20 days of the service's availability. HBO Max's pricing model is a bit different in those new countries and comes with a free trial and a huge discount for early adopters. So we'll have to wait a bit before we can analyze its revenue and potential. But for now, what we can see is that downloads from Android are outpacing downloads from iOS 10 to 1. Not really surprising considering the adoption of Android outside the U.S., especially in those regions, but huge opportunity for HBO Max. HBO Max is going to be offering a set of originals specifically made by in Latin America for Latin America, which is actually kind of cool. And I think soccer is also involved in this, and there are more things that they're bringing from all the titles that they have really on HBO Max. So there's a ton of opportunity for HBO Max. And if it's anything like what happened in the U.S. and how it took over from mainly downloads from uh, Netflix and Disney+, Plus, it's going to be big. And I think Disney's in kind of trouble now. Of course, I will continue to keep an eye on it. And you'll hear me talk more about HBO Max and its expansion. They've also been talking about expanding into Europe, so that's going to be another new frontier that's going to be exciting. Um, more on this in the future. Last for this week is Peloton. I did not find anything interesting that has to do with the unlockdown, and I'm getting a little bit tired of talking about vaccines. So instead, let's talk about fitness. Peloton is fitness. Peloton makes exercise bikes, and you've probably heard that name at least once. You probably heard it on the newsletter if you've been around for long enough. I think it was in the first or second issues. And so Peloton announced this week that it's working on a game to get bike owners cycling. It feels to me like everyone wants to get into games recently, so I'm not too, too surprised. But why is Peloton making this move now? For that, we have to look at a little thing called revenue. Let's rewind a few years. Peloton, which organizes and streams classes, was doing very well before the pandemic. It went public in 2019, and demand for, it by, for its bikes was increasing at a healthy rate. Then came the pandemic that locked everyone at home with no access to gyms. And while bike orders went through the roof, and its stock through the roof too, Peloton was actually busy capitalizing on something else that it owns, and that's in-app content. Peloton offers workout videos delivered via app at about 13 bucks a month. At the end of 2019, Peloton was adding about $10,000 a day of net revenue, or not adding, making $10,000 a day of net revenue from content through its app in the U.S. But by April of 2020, pandemic highs, net revenue had already more than doubled to $25,000 a day, according to our estimates. 
daily revenue doubled again by the end of summer with about 50,000 a day in August of 2020. And in June of 2021, just about a year later, net revenue was hitting six digits. Now, how does all this tie back into games? Well, working out requires kind of a disciplined approach. And while some have it, I think more people don't have it. That's why we see demand for workout apps skyrocket in January and then decline immediately in February. And we see that every year. That's kind of normal with New Year's resolutions and people thinking that this is going to be the year where I lose all this weight. But with a game, Peloton can literally gamify the workout experience with a game. So it can hook its audience and make it more, make it easier to get on a bike and start cycling and make it not feel just like exercise. I think that's a great, that's a great combination. And that's how it's going to get more people to, um, to use its bikes, to talk about its bikes, and in general, to engage with its content. Another way to look at it, a more businessy way to look at it, is to say that Peloton is going down market because there's a lot of opportunity for growth down there. And a game is a very easy way to capitalize on that. Going down market is a trend that I've been seeing with a lot of companies and one that I have been betting on for a long, long, very long time, as you can see with our company. And so I do see a lot more of that happening, especially now where more things happen on mobile. And on that happy note, I will say happy Friday. That's it from me for today. If you enjoyed anything on this podcast, please recommend it to a friend or subscribe if you haven't already. Um, If you're looking for any of the links or any of the data that I mentioned, check the show notes. And if you want to get this data for yourself so you can check your competitors, understand the market better, head on to appfigures.com slash intelligence to get it yourself. See you next week.